Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Welcome to the day. I'm your host, Ash Thompson, and today I'm taking you on a trip. So, week 17, we're almost done with the divisional aspect of this segment. Once the playoffs start, and as long as the Lions are still in this thing, this is going to transition to being just about the playoff picture. So you get a weekly recap of what happened, like you don't already know. Uh, <laughs> however, given that most of the NFC North is still alive in the wild card race, I'm going to keep this position, this portion of the thing rolling. For this week and next week, then I'll have to do the recap of the seasons. Uh, let's start with the Bears. Uh, there's really only one thing that matters at this point for them. There's only one thing left to decide, and they fell out of playoff contention last week despite giving Atlanta a sound drubbing, as it were. But this week, they can still be spoilers to the Green Bay Packers, despite the fact that the Bears lose the tiebreaker and can't get in themselves, they can stop the Packers from getting in. And as Lions fans know, FTP is a good motivator. Uh, like at best, those two teams tie, have the same, they have the same division record, and then the Packers have a better record against common opponents, so the Bears are out of the cold. As far as the playoffs go, they absolutely cannot get in. But let's get back to why I'm legitimately happy about that fact. Uh, one, uh, I'd like the Packers to miss the playoffs again. That would make me happy. Uh, something about Packers fans' misery just makes me smile ear to ear. And um, their tears are delicious. <laughs> the other issue is that the Bears are right now one of the hottest teams in the NFL. And stylistically, I really do not like the way that the Bears match up with the Lions. As I said before that game, as I've been saying pretty much all year since they got over whatever it was that they were doing in those first four games to be the worst team in the NFL. Since that moment, they've been really, really good. As an example, they just beat Atlanta 37-17. to That's a three-score win. Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter combined for four interceptions and only one TD in the air against the Bears. And the final three quarters of the season, that's been pretty much what I expect from that Bears defense. It's turned into a, like a really, really dangerous squad. And I guess we'll see what the offense has in store for them because they do have some free agents, but we're going to get to that in the offseason. 268 yards in the air with one touchdown. Yeah, and 11 carries for 45 more yards on the ground with the TD there too. Uh, DJ Moore had another great day. Yeah, that madness. If that guy didn't get into the Pro Bowl. Uh, <laughs> nine receptions, 159 yards, and a touchdown. Khalil Herbert had 18 carries for 124 yards, and I've basically spoken about every skill player on the Bears that really has any right to think they might have a roster spot next season. At this point, Fields has made the Bears' decision with their pick from Carolina about as murky as it could possibly be. That's still not guaranteed to be number one, but it 
almost assuredly is, so I'm going to act like it is for this particular segment. McFields has an unacceptable touchdown percentage, an unacceptable interception percentage, and a fumbling issue. He has 20 total touchdowns, rushing and passing, and adds 10 fumbles to his 9 interceptions on the year. That's not good. 3,044 total yards added to that is like also not great, but it's not bad either. Uh, rushing, he had his worst year this year on a per carry basis. Um, he had his worst season as far as like yards per attempt also, but it's, it's just not, not a good year for Justin Fields, particularly in a few different ways. Uh, he hasn't managed to stay healthy for a full season in three years. Uh, but he did have this year his highest completion percentage of his career. Uh, he also cut his interception percentage by a full percentage point, down to a two and a half. And in his 12 games so far this season, he has one fewer touchdown pass than he had in 15 last year with two fewer interceptions. He's already thrown the ball 36 more times than he did last year. His yards per game in the air is up 50 from what it was in 2022, and as far as the eye test goes, he is the entire offense on this team. I wouldn't roast them for moving on. The stats are not spectacular, but like spreadsheets out of context, they lack meaning of any measurable kind. It's not to say stats don't matter. Like You do have to put up stats to be a good quarterback. It's just what they are is relative to the things around you, and the things around him this year are DJ Moore and garbage. Last year, he carried the team to every win they got. This year, he carried the team to every win they got, and they got more. So that's not true. They did not believe one or two while he was injured, but when he was playing, he was the entire offense, and the offense was better this year than it was last year. The crux of the conversation is this. There is a slightly higher than 0% chance that a rookie comes in to this offensive roster and improves the Bears quarterback play. This regime is one bad season from getting fired. 40% of the quarterbacks taken at number one fail completely and miserably to ever make any real impact in the NFL. If you include the entire first round, that goes up to the mid-50s. That's the dice roll. But the last two Chicago coaches both lost their jobs trying this. In their last year with the team, John Fox lost his job to Mitch Trubisky. Matt Nagy lost his job to Justin Fields. Bringing the rookie quarterback in to extend your shot and your window with a team fails. Every single time it fails. If they're considering firing you, they shouldn't let you draft a quarterback because it's going to ruin that kid's career and you're going to get fired because rookie quarterbacks generally suck. Now, if they believe Caleb Williams, Drake Mayer, Jalen Daniels are truly a generational can't-miss prospect, they'll make the pick, they'll roll, the, roll those dice, and they'll probably get fired. Which is great for Lions fans. Uh, but as I'll cover in my draft coverage starting next week for the run-up to the Senior Bowl, as I go through the roster... Before our coverage on site begins, I don't think that 
these quarterbacks are particularly special in terms of their rarity individually as prospects. All of them have flaws, and almost every quarterback prospect does, but the one I would draft to replace Justin Fields is the one that doesn't, that comes out every eight to ten years. That's the only guy I would take over Fields in his current form. And I don't see him in this draft. Um, So let's talk Vikings. They're going back to the quarterback who threw four interceptions uh, the last time they played us. Why? Well, their rookie Jaron Hall left the game involuntarily last week after 10 passes, three sacks, a lost fumble, and an interception. So he was even worse. Like, Nick Mullins sucked, but the Vikings aren't going to go back to the Josh Dobbs-style offense, and Dobbs can't run Kevin O'Connell's offense. So here we are. Uh, they lost 33-10 to the Packers. The Vikings are 1-5 in their last six, but they're still somehow in the race for the playoffs to this day. Uh, they're 7-9, and nine, so they have to beat us to get in this week. And that last game we played against them was pretty close, so that's not impossible by any stretch of the imagination. They just came up short at the end, as bad teams do against good teams, typically. Well, Green Bay would have to lose, Seattle would have to lose, Tampa or New Orleans would also have to lose to either the Panthers in the case of Tampa or Atlanta in the case of New Orleans. In short, the Vikings need a miracle to be that team that the number two seed destroys in the wild card round of the playoffs this year. Like, they also have a quarterback discussion this offseason, but drafting at 10, they're likely to miss out on the top three prospects. But historically, that hasn't actually been a bad thing. Like, Michael Penix or JJ uh, from Michigan in this offense scares me more next year than Caleb Williams in that Bears offense. Just straight up does. Uh, The supporting cast is just so much better in Minnesota that the hardest job in pro sports is measurably less difficult with the Vikings than it would be with the Bears. But that's a conversation we can have when the season is actually over, and we know where everyone's drafting, for sure. Uh, The Vikings lost. They're 7-9. They need a miracle to get into the playoffs. And the Packers were on the other end of that game. They're 8-8 on the year. If they climb to 9-8, and eight, they'll make the playoffs. That's it. They win, they're in. Even if they lose, they can still make the playoffs with a Seahawks and Bucks loss with a Vikings loss or tie against us or with a Seahawks and Saints loss paired with a Vikings loss or tie. So basically, if the Pack lose, the Seahawks have to lose and the Saints or Bucks have to lose. And the Vikings have to lose or tie. So, in a weird way, if we lost to the Vikings and the Packers lost, (laughs) we could be part of screwing the Packers out of getting to the playoffs, even in defeat. Not what I want to have happen, not how I want the season to end, but it would be a nice little silver lining if that is how things came to pass. Uh, The Packers are the only other team in the division that definitely doesn't need a quarterback. Uh, Love has 30 touchdown passes and 11 picks this year with no significant receiver who has more than a year of experience or had more than a year of experience when we hit week one. His number one receiver has been hurt constantly throughout the year. His offensive tackles have had issues. The running game has been absolute complete garbage and Love has still put up almost a three to one touchdown interception ratio. 
loves the guy. That sucks for Lions fans. Uh, the Packers just put up 33 on the Vikings defense, which is not a bad defense. Of course, the Vikings putrid offense did little to set the D up for success. But the Packers capitalized on the opportunities that they were given. So, the division is the Bears in fourth, who are out of the playoffs. The Vikings, who are third, they're probably out of the playoffs. And the Packers, who just need to win this weekend against the Bears to make sure that they get in. Go Bears! Tomorrow, I'll be previewing the Vikings offense and defense quickly. If you want the deep dives, we played them two weeks ago. You should check out those two episodes if you want like a really deep dive. I'm just going to give you the quick broad strokes tomorrow. The plus. And this is basically MIT. It can make the playoffs in the NFL and how they can do that. So first, Houston Texans win or the AFC South? It's really that simple. Uh, they win or Jacksonville loses or ties. Houston is the AFC South champion. Uh, they can get into the wild card if they win. Obviously, they get that. Uh, yeah. But they still be the wild card if Houston ties, Jacksonville loses, and Pittsburgh loses or ties. The Colts, uh, they play Houston. Basically, they win the AFC South if they beat Houston. And Jacksonville loses or ties. Or Indianapolis ties and Jacksonville loses. They can get into the playoffs by winning. Or uh, if they tie and Pittsburgh also loses or ties. Steelers. They win and Buffalo loses. Or they win and Jacksonville loses or ties. Or they win and Houston and Indianapolis tie each other. Or they tie. Jacksonville loses and Houston Indianapolis does not end in a tie. Or just straight up if Jacksonville loses and Denver wins and Houston and Indianapolis don't tie, Pittsburgh's in. Uh, Dolphins, winner or tie, they clinch the AFC East. They're already in the playoffs. Buffalo Bills, they can win the AFC East title with a win. Uh, they get in the playoffs if, there's, if they tie, or if Pittsburgh loses or ties, or Jacksonville loses or ties, or Houston, Indianapolis tie. Uh, the Jaguars, they have to win. Or tie, and then Indianapolis and Houston also tie. They that's that's how they get the AFC South title. Uh, they can still get in the playoffs if they tie and Pittsburgh loses or Jacksonville wins or ties, and Pittsburgh loses or ties, um, or Pittsburgh loses, Denver loses or ties, and Houston Indy doesn't end in a tie. Onto the NFC, which is the thing we actually care about. Dallas clinches the AFC title with or the AFC NFC East title, I should say. Oh, uh, if they win, or if they tie in Philadelphia, tie or lose, or just if Philadelphia loses. Uh, the Bucks 
get the NFC South title with the win, or they tie and New Orleans lose or tie. They can get into the playoffs with a tie, plus like a Seattle loss and a Green Bay loss or tie. Atlanta, they get the AFC South title with a win and a Tampa Bay loss. That's the only way they can get in. Saints get the NFC South title if they win and Tampa loses or ties. Or they tie and Tampa loses. Basically, they have to do better this week than Tampa to get in as the AFC, NFC South champion. Uh, wild card, they have to win, then Seattle has to lose or tie, and Green Bay has to lose or tie. They tie, and Seattle and Green Bay both lose. Eagles, NFC East title, if they win and Dallas loses or ties. Or if they tie and Dallas loses. Basically, to get the title, they have to just beat. <laughs> they just have to do better than Dallas this week. Uh, Seattle, they can clinch a playoff berth if they win and Green Bay loses or ties. Uh, or they tie and Green Bay loses and Tampa loses or ties or... Seattle ties and Green Bay loses plus more means it's your tie. Packers winning their in or and basically Seattle and New Orleans don't win or Tampa doesn't win in that Seattle loss scenario. Or there's a whole bunch of weird tie scenarios. I'm not really going to get into them. Uh, Minnesota has to win, and Green Bay has to lose, plus Seattle has to lose, and Tampa has to lose, and New Orleans has to lose. For Minnesota to get in. Uh, minor series of miracles there. Sit on spots. Seeding lips. Wildlands, Halloween three seed, are some scenarios where they can get to number two. It's just not super likely that that occurs. Basically, the Lions have to win, and the Eagles and Cowboys both have to lose. That's what has to happen for the Cowboys to get the number two seed. If the Lions win and that doesn't happen, they're number three. If the Lions lose, they're number three. So there's not a whole lot of variation there in terms of that. We still don't know who they're going to play, uh, but the number two seed would play the wildcard team, and that is probably not going to be a very good team in terms of the number seven seed. Number six, very likely to be the Rams. Like there's a, a scenario where they're seven, but whatever. Uh, not really worth entertaining. Probably not going to happen. The Rams are probably number six. And then, like, theoretically, it could be if we lost to the Vikings this week, it could be the Vikings that we played at home in the playoffs. And I'm absolutely okay with that. Um, or it could be the Packers. Or it could be any of those other teams I've listed, like the Bucks or the Saints. We just don't know. There's a lot of variation there. The number seven seed always 
is pretty much always going to lose to the number two seed. So getting that two seed would be great. That also means that the Lions get two home playoff games, which is something that is just super advantageous this time of year. It would mean that like only San Francisco would be a road game. So if nobody beats, basically if if nobody beats, if the 49ers win their game in the divisional round, which they probably will, uh, then the Lions would have to go there. But if they lost that game, then the Lions would be at home all the way to the Super Bowl with that number two seed. Uh, that's why that's better. Number three is not bad. It just means also if the number two seed gets in, basically you need two upsets in the playoffs <laughs> to have home a field advantage all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, then, yeah, that's basically it in terms of the murky as heck at this point the NFC playoff seed. Scenarios. Uh, see you tomorrow. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Yes. You've had enough of that shit.